oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what it do? Win leaps Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast. We are here with an episode breaking down everything. Literally everything that has happened this offseason because a ton of stuff has happened. A lot of scandals have happened. A lot of horrible trades have happened. A lot of weird signings have happened. And uh, we're going to recap it all because apparently the latest proposal from MLB to the Players' Union has been shut down. So for now, it looks like we're starting on time. We're having a full season. There's going to be no expanded playoffs and there's going to be no DH. I still think there's going to be a DH but we got a plan like there's not going to be one because that's, you know, the word on the street. I am your host, Matt Williams. The rotofanatic.com uh, brings you this podcast. Make sure to check out rotofanatic.com. We have our own uh, park factors. Our own rankings are up on the site now. We'll be having our own projections up soon. But today, it's all about recapping the offseason that was with John, MLB Moving Averages, joining us. The OG crew back together again. John, what's up, buddy? Yes, welcome back. Matt, awesome to be here. I have been diving into your work at Rotofanatic. Man, there's some really, there's some really good stuff there. If uh, no one knows, my podcast Cork Stats were rocking and rolling, and I just had a Roto Fanatic member on, Paul Mamino. Him and I did a really like a masterclass on earn run indicators, and it's it, it's for everybody. You know, I kind of wanted it for home leaguers, people that maybe are a little intimidated by it. So we kind of started from scratch, square one. We defined them, we compared and contrasted them, and then talked about applying them, even creating our own. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. I'm rocking and rolling, man. FTN Fantasy is free right now. Very rare. I kind of have stuff in front of the paywall. I don't know how that sounded, but it is what it is. And I'm doing positional breakdowns and correlating them with some audio. I'm trying to do this kind of immersive new thing. So, Matt, man, I'm, I'm so I'm so psyched, man. There's snow in the ground, but I'm baseball-centric right now. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I freaking – I'm pumped. I, I mean, I know no, I know some people didn't want the DH as a Mets fan. It hurts us a little bit, but I'm just pumped that baseball, it's coming. It's coming sooner or later, everybody. <laughs> it's coming. And that's what the thing is. Last year, a lot of people didn't know if there'd be a season. A lot of people this year like, oh, will it be delayed? I mean, it's starting to feel like it's coming. And I, you got to have a high confidence level that, you know, man, baseball's coming and you just can't, can't get here soon enough. Um, today's episode, like I said, we're going to go through all the news that happened and we're not going to go through like each move chronologically or each move individually. We're literally going to hit up every single team real quick. You know, I say real quick, everyone knows who listens to this podcast, what that probably means, but we're going to go through every single team. If you want to follow along, we're going to go on roster resource on fan graphs and just go left to right American league and American or a national. So we're going to start in the national league with the Arizona diamondbacks. Nothing has changed there. <laughs> Nothing, right? I mean, unless I'm missing something, uh, Arizona is pretty much wheeling out the same exact team they ended with. Uh, the only question marks there is Kettle Marte going to bounce back. Uh, is Christian Walker going to bounce back? 
David Peralta, is he great value? Maybe hitting cleanup for them. Is Luke Weaver going to bounce back? <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically nothing. Do you have any um, any thoughts on the Arizona Diamondbacks before we move on? Because this is not really an analysis show. More it is as a recapping of what's new. And, and nothing's new in Arizona other than they can't be as bad as they were in 2020. Yeah, I think that's my takeaway. I see them as a source of value in fantasy drafts. I think Marte's still probably very similar to the second baseman going around him, and he's going last, so I like him. And seem to be said kind of for the rest of the guys. I don't think I think Walker is going to be better than he was. I don't think Escobar will find the 19th flare, but I think he'll be better. Curious to see the Varsho usage, and I think he's probably the most tied to the news in the DH, right, Matt? But other than that, yeah, it's it's – Pretty much steady Eddie with the Diamondbacks. Josh Van Meter probably loses quite a bit of value with the DH news where he has none now, um, if that's the case, because <laughs> I think that's where his at-bats were going to probably come from. But, uh, what about quick, the Castro? Yeah, I mean, I mean, any can kind of any of the – on any team, the weak bench bats. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, we'll get to a lot of the other players too. But quickly before we move on, uh, simple, simple question. Would you rather have Brandon Lowe or Brandon Lowe? Brandon Lowe? Brandon Lowe or Kettle Marte? Man, I really – it's funny. You, you got me. I'm just up to Brandon Lowe in my second base breakdown, and I kind of gave you what I had on Marte that I just think he's going too late. Uh, maybe people might be overvaluing 2020 a bit. Man, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I think it's Marte. I think it's Marte for the balance. I think we might have just seen the very best of, of Lowe, which is good. But, you know, there's injury, and then there's always usage in Tampa – Maybe that feels like a cop-out, but right now I think it's Marte, at least until I really dove in some more. All right, moving on uh, to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, new things here, mainly the the rotation. One thing, though, Austin Riley looks like he's probably going to be playing every day at third. Um, he'll hit, I think, you know, for people that are really on his bandwagon, they're like, he can hit 40 home runs. He's probably going to do it hitting 230 uh, or less. So are you an Austin Riley guy right now slated to bat around sixth? Um, in you know, right, right behind the the meat of the order. So he'll probably have some guys on base for him here and there. But uh, Austin Riley, are are you someone that believes that he is a, a legitimate contender to become a you know a Mike Moustakis? Yeah, I, I want to say yes, but I, I seem to be trailing the the market here, Matt. Like as I as I give in and say, okay, he is that guy, and I'm willing to take that leap. Someone else is already in front of me, and now. Like that price is gone. He's been on the rise, this kind of perpetual rise the entire draft season. And though I like him, I think the power is there. I might be getting to a point where I'm, I'm getting scared off. I'm getting scared off by the price. I'm referring to he's got a tremendous min and max spread where I've seen him go in the late 100s where, man, I don't want him at 160. But if he falls into the mid twos, then like, yeah. So he's probably very cost dependent, but I do see the upside. And I think the context in the surrounding environment is great for him. I mean, there's always a chance that uh, Jose Ramirez, who are linked to the Braves, Chris Bryant, who I don't believe has been linked there, but would make sense. There's always a possibility that they come to town. And of course, without the DH, Austin Riley would be really screwed. Um, and we don't know what they're going to be doing, Marcelo Zuna. But overall, offense hasn't really changed. And the rotation, you got Charlie Morton, Drew Smiley uh, entering. Uh, the rotation right now roster resource has max freed charlie morton ian anderson drew smiley and kyle wright they're missing someone named mike soroka he will be back uh i would assume that's to kyle wright's detriment so um drew uh, soroka will be back sooner than later uh charlie morton and drew smiley drew smiley 
is like a darling, a bat flip crazy. And my God, I loved him. Um, and then all of a sudden he gets signed here by the Braves and everyone's jumping, jumping on board. Like, Oh, it's, this is going to be fantastic. When in reality, he's been just, he's been just trash for like the last two or three years. He's been released two or three times. He was real bad. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year with the giants, he has, I don't want to exaggerate like 12 innings um, of fantastic ball. I mean, it's above or below, but it was, it was not much. Well, uh, he, had, he had 21, was 21 in the third okay. last year. And <laughs> they were great. Awesome. They were. They were awesome. Uh, Paul and I actually spoke about Smiley real quick. It's it's funny. You you could kind of paint this picture in a couple different ways. You know, so you have this guy, right? The the ERA was 3.8, but the but the FIP was 179, which is phenomenal. The left on base percentage was 67. So like there's really only one direction for that to go. It was on a 340 Babbitt, right? Only one direction for that to go. But he had one of the worst expected Woba on contact in the entire league. It was at 430. He has one of the lowest chase rates. I mean, it's just like his line drive rate is through the roof over 25%. So there's a there's a tremendous, tremendous range of outcomes for Smiley. And him too, he's another guy. I think that, you know, I, I think the lift has kind of taken him out of my price range. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know what it is, is not only are you, let's just say, let's just say that the, uh, the, the skill bump is a given. Let's just say you, you, that you're guaranteed it. Let's just, whoever the, the fantasy baseball gods have come down and whispered in your ear, Drew Smiley is this guy. <laughs> you still got to worry about him even pitching beyond 30 innings because that's Drew Smiley's MO. So, I mean, there's so many red flags with him that I, I can't do it. I would have liked him if he was going to be borderline like undrafted in 12 teams. Like it looked like that's the kind of player he should have been, but someone you're taking as a flyer, but he's no longer in flyer territory in most formats, especially deeper ones. He's a, uh, he's a low end, you know, sleeper, if you would, you, you know, know what he'd be great for fantasy, Maddie, if he became a follower, right. If we could get him in the, uh, in like a, like a, you know, just to come in after the opener because he's not, he's really not going to give you five innings regularly. Yeah. You know, it's more likely than not that you don't get five innings, that you get that super disappointing, like four and two thirds, which really, it, it makes it hard to cut the mustard in fantasy. But man, if we could get an inning and a third or an inning and two thirds in front of him and get him past that, you know, the end of five, he could be, he could be really good for wins. Yeah. But yeah it's, it's, it's just too. It's, oh, here's the, the small rabbit hole because we don't know how, um, innings pitch are going to go in, in 2021 here. And everyone knows like what the brewer, some people are doing six man rotation. The brewer said they're only going to go up like 100 innings uh, beyond what pitchers did the year before. And I think that there is not going to be, I think I, I had tweeted this out only 31, 32 people. The last couple of full seasons, 28, 2019 had went beyond 180. only 17 pitchers um, got to 70 innings pitched last year. I do not think there's going to be that many high end, so I think that the gap between like the people you worry about, like Jesus Lazardo, Lance McCullers, um, Tyler Glass, now the guys with innings limits, I think the top end and the bottom end are going to meet closer, kind of destroying that gap uh, a little bit, making the low end guys a little more valuable. It doesn't it doesn't take away from the value of the high end guys, but I think um, it's not as big of a problem. The reason I'm saying all this, you bring up Drew Smiley being a follower. I want to clean up with Seth Lugo. And, and Peralta and those guys, those multi-inning guys, maybe they're in the pen that can, um, I don't have to worry about them maybe because if there's six man rotations, two starts are gone for a lot of pitchers. Yeah. I would love to clean up some multi-inning relievers that can get the job done. Cause if you, you know, you give me six innings in a week, um, maybe six, seven, eight strikeouts, you give me, uh, 
you give me a win possibility three straight times. I mean, like I, I love the idea of getting followers of getting middle relievers this year that go multi innings. That's something that I I'm in on. This is more something where you can afford to stack pitchers and like, you know, a draft champions or, you know, an NFBC 50 where you have a really big roster, maybe rather than a standard 12. But I don't know. What do you think about that in general? Just because you brought up the Drew Smile thing about being a follower. I mean, I love the idea of just getting innings in there um, in a sneaky way. And I I think middle multi-inning relievers that are quality, not just shitty, uh, is, is an interesting way to possibly go in certain team constructions. Yeah. I mean, listen, given the IP landscape right now, if you believe it's as uncertain or more uncertain than ever, which I think, you know, sounds like consensus, then you should be looking at those other avenues. And I even think it's, it's format independent. You know, a lot of people like myself are drafting draft and holds these really deep drafts. Granted, those guys can be hard to kind of deploy, but it's the long season and you named a couple guys that are going to be in line for impactful innings. Number one, also wins number two. And man, Matt, they may be the surest path to two appearances in a week. Because yeah, two, two or three. Plus, they could start. They could get saves if they're six man rotation. They could spot. There's a lot of value they could bring. I'd like to see a. I'd like to see a comprehensive list of those guys. I know I've been kind of eyeballing. Maybe like a Ross Stripling is a cheap version of that. Also, hmm. right, a guy who we're not really sure how he's going to get used. So he's going extremely late, and if he returns to form at all as far as impact per inning basis yeah him too could be another guy like i mean they're gonna be there's gonna be a lot of them um and while we're still on the braves again out of rabbit hole charlie morton uh had velocity he's you know he's an older gentleman he had velocity issues at the beginning of uh, the year he fixed that towards the end of the season looked pretty sharp at the end signs with the braves great spot for pitchers to be slotted to be there two or three um, how do you like Charlie Morton? Because right now he is getting, if he is who he is, giant discount. I don't know where I want to say he's going. He's like, he's going right now. I, you know what? I can't even make it up. I don't have ADP in front of me. I don't know if you do. Uh, but uh, but Charlie Morton right now is is going uh, fairly late for where you know he typically would be going. What do you think of Charlie Morton moving into 2021? He's making me really nervous. And he's another, you know, like all these pitchers are just going to have all of these different parts of the equation that we can't overlay from one to the next its competition level was through the roof I'm looking at the game log now it was really tough sledding toronto atlanta boston yankees yankees nats boston orioles phillies when the baltimore offense which is not bad is the worst opponent you face very hard to kind of see it fairly and looking at it through that lens and maybe there is a bit there but age 37 season it's hard to ask for a ton. Man, I am really on the fence with Morton. And normally when I'm scratching the back of my neck, I normally don't end up with a guy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair enough. Uh, there's plenty of interesting guys to go around there. So there's no reason to go all in. He's going around. I uh, see. Yeah, see, he's going next to Pablo Lopez, Julio Urias. I mean, these are guys I like more than him. I like yeah. Alcantara more than I like Morton. <laughs> I might go with Morton over Gaussman. I think maybe other people believe in Gaussman more than I do. I think about, that's actually Musgrove? a perfect scenario where I'd actually go Morton because like you listed the, the most of the group around there I'd rather have than Morton. Like I'd rather have Musgrove? Joe Musgrove. I'd rather have Musgrove than Morton. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. So if you're, if we're in a, in a 15 pick ADP window where you're 
quite literally choosing between these guys and you may not get an opportunity at the the group or small blob again if you're on the ends i just have a hard time ending up with with morton i agree i, mean, I can see him doing talk, it the more i realize it's probably not going to happen yeah I, I, if you if you could tell me on him, please do. Morton was a guy you know that I really like, and I think people have looked past him because of the age. But man, just that surrounding crew, there's guys that I like. That's where you know that's where I'm shopping. So he kind of falls the back for me. <laughs> All right, now that we're falling desperately behind pace, probably I'm assuming. Uh, moving on to the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they're, it's funny, as, as much as people think they're breaking down their entire roster and going to be like trash town, their offense still kind of kicks ass because Bryant's still there. Contreras is still there. You still got Rizzo, Hap, Baez. They added Jock Peterson. They Ooh. got rid of Kyle Schwarber. Essentially the same freaking person. Uh, Rotofinex, Carmen Mayorano actually put out a uh, career stats for Peterson, a slash line for Peterson and Schwarber. They're the same guy. Yeah, Except yeah. Peterson's got a little bit of a better glove, so it works out. The only thing here different is the Cubs apparently landed Peterson because they promised him every day at bats. And why wouldn't you? Philip Irvin is the guy currently slated to be his platoon partner. Let Jock hit. Yeah. So he's intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably hitting towards the bottom of this lineup, but with his speed, you never know. He and Hap isn't isn't like you know uh, immune from slump. He could see his way at the top of this lineup at certain points, but more than likely he'll be towards the bottom. Uh, I'm a, I love Jock Peterson. I, I think he's someone that the market hasn't adjusted to yet. And if he's going to get everyday at bats, even though he could struggle versus lefties, I'm all about it. I, I, I love Jock Peterson. Absolutely read my mind. That's really it. I find I, man, Matt, I'm getting him in a spot where he's my UT in a 15 man league. And I come back to that at the very end, you know, so I already have pretty much all my position players and at least seven or eight of my pitchers. He's going solely for every day at bats. And yeah, I I just think he's being dinged too much for the lefty uh, split. Granted, it hasn't been good, but it hasn't been enough exposure to it either for me. I'm looking, I got 385 plate appearances. You know, since two since 2014, that's not enough for me to 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 make that kind of decision. You know, I do believe in the human element, the guy getting into a groove. Also, listen, just a different scenario. Like, I don't know, I see a pathway where, you know, Peterson is, I don't know, 75 picks sooner, even by March. Let's say, you know. Mm. No, I agree with that. I I you know, I think he's a solid bat. That I think his ADP will continue to rise as people. I mean, if, if the, you know what it is, is because if the Cubs lineup gets, gets, you know, um, gutted a little bit, let's say you remove Bryant and Contreras, does that really change anything on Peterson? Does his value go down or up? No, because he's in worse lineup, but he's at higher in it. I don't think I really, I don't, there's a wash. Smarter than me will prove me wrong with this. Like objectively, listen, I'm all, I'm, I'm fine, you know, being quantified as incorrect. No, give me the top of the lineup. Give me the increased plate appearances still surrounded by major league caliber hitters. I mean, Hap will be there. Rizzo will be there. Baez will be there. Yeah, Baez is going to be there. Let's go. Yeah. Nico Horner is another guy I actually love in this lineup, only for deep formats. 12 team, look away. But um, he has multi-position eligibility, and he's playing every single day. He's being drafted near like 1 million. Uh, So Nico Horner is, again, not exciting. Uh, no expectations, but if you're looking for a cheap at-bats, uh, they get no cheaper than Nico Horner, and he will be every day in this lineup. Uh, 
as far as the rotation goes, uh, you know, you Darvish is gone. Zach Davies is in there. I know some people are excited about him every year. He's always known as kind of like a control guy, kind of low strikeouts, uh, decent walk rate last year. He, uh, his, his K rate actually jumped to 22.8, which gets people excited Two seven three ERA 501 X ERA X Wobicon over 400 worst of his career. I think people are maybe seeing something here that is not necessarily there where they, I don't know, they see the jump in strikeout rate and they're hoping for something, but he was getting barreled up over 10% last year, which is, you know, again, small sample size. Um, and now he's going to Wrigley. He's not going to, I don't know. What do you think here? Zach Davies, he's going late enough where you can take the gamble and I can see sure. why, but I think the reasons people are excited are, are maybe not the reasons they should be. Yeah, totally. I mean, it- if you were expecting a replay of that, I would just point you to the, I mean, this guy might have the largest discrepancy in expected versus results of anybody last year, you know, 50 points in batting average expected 110 slug um, 60 in Woba and 85 Wobacon to expect that Wobacon, like you said, over 400, which really is a benchmark for being really bad. You know, that puts you in the bottom 25 percentile, let's say, where that 316 Wobicon that he posted across the entire season is like top 20th percentile. So that's a tremendous disparity. And if he just returns halfway back to earth on that stuff, you're going to start getting punished. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't get ahead of guys. He doesn't get chases. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't see the love. I see the results, but I don't see the love. You know, he reminds me of Matt, his teammate. Trevor Williams, right, who had that that kind of surface year, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he like a, an ERA guy? He was an ERA guy in 2018, right, across 170 innings and 311 with ERA with a 118 whip. And people are like, oh, my God, it's going to be awesome. And then the next year you saw the real guy back to 538 and then 618. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the Davies path back to norm. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati Reds, nothing big has happened to them yet. They've traded away pieces and they've talked about trading Castillo. They've talked about trading Gray. They've talked about trading a bunch of pieces on their offense, but nothing really has happened. The big things to happen to them have not happened yet. What's going to happen at shortstop? Right now they have Kyle Farmer in there. I think Jose Garcia was incredibly overmatched in the majors um, and he should be in the minor league. So you know, there's talk about Omar Ros- Ahmed Rosario coming there. Um, I threw tossed out the idea of Elvis Andrus, who Texas is apparently buried Ooh, good fit. as a possible thing. Maybe ship Wade Miley's contract down there with a little bit of cash, get Elvis Andrus, swap players that you don't need for each other. Um, you know, a prospect would have to be going the other way as well. But um, other than that, the most interesting thing that's new is maybe Michael Lorenzen in this rotation that, uh, you know, he comes out of the bullpen, his stuff, is is fantastic. He has the arsenal to be a starter. Has not really put it together as far as um, results. And you know, our Michael Simeone, everyone knows SP Streamer is very very high on Michael Lorenz, and he by no means has gotten a bump out of the love he's gotten from the industry itself. So, what do you think of Michael Lorenzen? Because in the end, I would think innings hold him back no matter what, and they will have to be plugging in a six person either to spot start or just to have in here at some point because. I like Lorenzen, but what are we realistically hoping from him from an inning standpoint? Well, I, I think the thing he has going for him is I, I believe he's going to have every opportunity. The Reds have shown they'll kind of let their guys go out there and throw also. So, I mean, we're back to that. You know, it's just inferring how, how we think it's going to shake out. And I, I know the safe bet is a lot of guys are not going to meet these kind of inning limits we're hoping for, but 
there is a chance that they do. You know, there's plenty of examples out there, guys that have been hurt and come back and then thrown 130 above where they went the year before. If we were to go 120 or 130 over Lorenz and year, maybe we get them up to 150, 155. And then in that case, Matt, I'd refer back to the excellent point you made before about the flattening of the curve, the flattening of the innings pitch curve, where we're not, it doesn't top at 220 anymore. I might top at 190, and there are fewer guys to do it. So that lessens the gap. And if you think you can get a good, you know, per inning efficacy out of Lorenzen, then maybe he's your man. I'm worried that he's, you know, he's becoming a bit of an industry darling and he's probably moved up. 60 picks or so. Now, is that going to continue? I still like him at 400, but once we move up another 50 picks, you might start to lose me. Let's see if, oh man, David Peterson might be a little more reliable for me. I think I might like Josh Limbaugh a little more than I like Lorenzen. So you see what I mean, Matt? If he starts to float up, I think I'm going to leave him. But if he stays beyond 400, I don't think you could miss. All right, moving on to Colorado. Um, have they made any moves recently that you know? I don't know when I'm getting trolled anymore on the internet. I'm not even sure anymore. <laughs> I can't tell. So they, they ship off the best uh, player they've had in 15 years uh, for nothing, literally. Um, as far as that this goes... Wait, Matt, for negative nothing because they paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. The Cardinals get him for free. Nolan Arenado for free for one year. Uh, where does this help? Um, who's the number one player you think this helps? Because I, I think it actually helps someone that is not as a popular a choice uh, as many. But uh, who, who, after this trade, who do you think gains the value here on, on Colorado? I don't know. I don't know. You had already, uh, as we spoke, you already shined a nice light on uh, Tapia, who I think is already in line. So I guess it's not him. Uh, Story and Blackman felt pretty safe. Now I'm on the trio of guys that have done nothing but create aggravation and gray hairs across the industry in McMahon, Rogers, or maybe Hampson. When is it Hampson time, Matt? I don't, I just don't know. I'm hoping it's one of those guys. We've been praying for full-time at bats for these guys to show us what they might have. Maybe it's one of them. I, I just don't know. I have such a hard time getting behind any Rockies. I really do. I, I'm actually digging the Josh Fuentes here, who, you know, you look at his Savant page, you see the 1% barrel rate. <laughs> And it's not good. But you do see a 300 average, a couple home runs and a stolen bases over a short period of time. His natural position is third. He was slated to be the everyday first baseman. He now will move over to third. McMahon maybe goes to first. Who the hell knows what they're going to do? I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that, uh, what's his name? Ian Desmond will work himself into plenty of at bats. But as far as deep leagues go, Josh Fuentes couldn't be any more, I won't say free, because I know Vlad Sedler gets triggered by that, that you do need to pay something, but you need to pay hardly anything. When I mean, he's one of the most close to free players as you can get. He's going to play every day in Colorado. Um, I don't need him to be great, but if uh, you know they have him batting fifth, if he's going to bat fifth for Colorado every day, I'll take it. I'll, yeah. you know, if he sucks, you know, bye-bye. Uh, and if it's in a, you know, draft champions or a deep league, whatever, I may not play you, but he's every day. Uh, he's not getting the respect an everyday player in Colorado should. But he's got a tremendous min-max spread also. It's like I've seen him go in the late 200s, and then I've seen him go in the 500s. So the answer probably lies somewhere in there. And I think in particular, Matt, this is a really, really good – uh, pick and perspective for people that are getting into NFBC where you set your lineups twice a week 
that's where I really think he's got the value where you could try and circle him in for home series, particularly. And now if you're getting a center cores bat um, at that price, yeah, you really can't go wrong. It's funny. I just did my first base breakdown. It's so deep. I really don't have much Fuentes. I guess I'm overlooking him because man, you even got me back on the Votto train. So I got, I got to circle Fuentes maybe. Yeah, it's very deep. I mean, people will look at Fuentes and they'll be like, all right, well, if if we're going to try to work in Hilliard and and McMahon and Rogers and Hampson, there's got to be someone out. And you look at everyone's track record and you're like, all right, Fuentes is the guy to go. But he's currently the guy with the inside track. So, you know, I mean, I'd rather take what is than what could be. So moving on to the Dodgers, nothing new yet. Uh, Justin Turner has not come back yet. So we won't talk too much about Edwin Rios, who, you know, as soon as he's the everyday third baseman, his ADP will skyrocket. We don't know about the rotation yet. They'll go six man possibly to get Gonzalez in there right now. They have him as the odd man out and we don't know what they're going to do with Gavin Lux. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions, but nothing we can definitively talk about. So unfortunately we are just going to move on. At this wait, point. Wait, 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 I have a small one for you. I do have a small one for you. And my question is at what point do you think David Price has to start throwing to be on track to play for us? I personally really haven't, I think when I first started drafting in November, making an assumption that he might play, getting him so late that anything from him, even if it was the end of the season, would pay off. He's actually kind of moved up in drafts a bit, maybe just on mean value alone, partly maybe assumption, people doing their own narrative building. So, Matt, I know you don't know if he's going to pitch, but at what point do you think we need to see him start to prep at least? God, I don't know. Because I don't know what they've done. I don't know what he's done. I don't know what he did to throw – during the season, he may have been kept keeping in shape and throwing, you know, during the season, even though he opted out. We don't know what kind of workload he's been putting in in the offseason because there's a difference between shutting it down, um, putting in bullpens, or actually putting in like pitches of effort, which are the thing, right? Effort. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, there has been no information on him yet. Would I have liked to see an update? Yes. But I mean, he's been around the block. Um, so I would think that he knows what he needs to do in order to get in shape. We haven't heard anything negative. So for now, um, you know, you're drafting blind. I have been avoiding him. I've been like, you know, taking Gonzalez a little bit because I think he'll find his way into that rotation because I think he uh, is going to end up being better per inning than both uh, May and uh, and Price. So, yeah, all in all is uh, I don't know because I have nothing to go on, <laughs> which is my lazy answer, but it's the, it's the one I got. Yeah, I wonder what we – I mean, yeah, I guess – hey, listen, well, that's what we're here doing, right? We're here learning – I, maybe I need to be a little more thorough with my uh, trying to chase down beat reporting or doing some more thorough Google searching and seeing if that information's out there. Cause I don't even know. My assumption was that he really, he hasn't been throwing assuming I would have heard about it, but mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I didn't do the due diligence. So yeah, I'm going to table that. But if for me, my answer is if he's not throwing soon, I think it could X him out for a full season. Um. I mean, it's possible. I mean, they're paying him a ton of money. I'm willing to bet the Dodgers are staying on top of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, especially in a year where you're going to need as many arms as possible. I'm assuming they're going to make sure that all the ones they have under payroll are going to be usable, at least to a degree. Um, the Miami Marlins, nothing, nothing is new. Um, other than the fact that we don't know what's going on in the ninth inning yet. It's looking more and more like a Brandon Kinsler reunion could be in the cards. They both like each other. He could come back for cheaper for now. They have like Anthony Bass and Yimmy Garcia both hard passes, but if you're drafted today, those are your options. 
other than that, nothing much uh, as far as uh, transactions go, which is what today's episode is. So um, we will move past the uh, Miami, Miami Marlins for now. The Milwaukee Brewers, the DH news really does affect them because Brian Braun has not stayed or go. Some people think that he may um, he may retire. And this DH news, if there is no DH, may push him that way because they signed Daniel Vogelbach and have said if there's no DH, he will play first base, which would be nice because he's going super late. If he could become, instead of utility, he could become first base. That would be nice. But that's kind of the only thing that's new here in the lineup. Daniel Vogelbach currently slated from roster resource again, they do a great job in season as far as their projected lineups, grain of salt, you know, do your own homework. Uh, but, you know, you look at the hitters behind them, like Orlando Arcia, Luis Arias, Homer Navarez, Vogelbach probably will be in the middle of this lineup. So what do you think of Captain Strikeout here? I mean, we've seen his ability to get on base. We've seen the power. We've seen the incredibly low batting average. But there's no other real options for them, especially if Braun retires. Let's just assume that happens. How do you like Vogelbach in the middle of this lineup? As a guy again who's going, I don't want to say free, but yeah, kind of, kind of free. Matt, this is also this is something we were talking about before on air. I just, I, I kind of have non-starters for guys in Roto. So Vogelback is a is a format dependent guy, and I think he's criminally undervalued in point and OBP leagues. So you will see me draft him in best balls and point leagues where the 330, 340, you know, projected OBP is going to play. And there's not so much being penalized, but I really have a hard time. You know, we're talking uh, six, let's say 800 is less 800 plate appearances. It's a, it's a sub 210 batting average. Hard to ask for, you know, anything outside of that. So for me, it's a non-starter, particularly again is, there's some depth in the way back at 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 one B. There's a couple of guys. There's a couple of guys that I like. You know, like, like we're I, I in his vicinity there. though. He, he he's in the Fuentes area. Everyone like Vado and stuff. They're going way ahead of him. So if let's just say you're in a deep format and you just need a warm body with a bats, like who do you like more than him at first base? If he assuming he gets first base, because right now it's utility only and that sucks. But if he gets first base, he's got to have even with the low batting average, he's got to have some value being out there probably on a daily basis. Oh, maybe that I was, you know what? That's why I didn't see him because I was looking at first. Yeah, he's not there. And right now he's utility only. Oh, that's why. So I'm I'm kind of scanning right now. Do you have an ADP for me? I'm I'm just trying to get a good idea of, you know, that's how I do it. Like who's going around him? So, wow, is it beyond 500? Yeah, he's going very late. <laughs> the D, the utility only is murdering him. So again, the, the no DH uh, hurts most people. For him, it may actually help his value. Well, that's a that's a definite because he should have it by the second week of the season. Yeah, and they don't have any other options in Milwaukee to replace him at the moment. I mean, CJ Crone is a is a is available, but he's like not as far as defensively. It's not, you know. I mean, I don't I don't know what they're really going to do there. So it's not like a perfect fit to just bring in a guy like him either. So it's look today. It's looking good for everyday Vogelbach at bats for first base. You know, as long as his back keeps him in the lineup. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't scanning nearly far enough, uh, Matt. I think I think you just revealed some draft gold for everybody. If you're playing, you know, if you happen to be in these kind of deeper leagues, for me, that's that's absolute draft gold because that that far back in a draft, man, getting at bats at all, getting meaningful at bats, getting meaningful at bats in the middle of a lineup, and one particularly that scores runs is going to score runs and has a nice 
home field boost, right? The Brewers are always really good at home. So definitely give me some, some pick 600 Vogelback in Miller. Like, I love that. And the New York Mets, they've done a few things. Francisco Lindor being Ooh. the main one. He'll slot into the three hole probably for the Mets. Uh, nor here, nor there. He moves to a slightly worse park, a much better lineup. Um, I, I, I don't think there's a change here. He's, he's, he's awesome. I know that I've heard some people, I think DVR, um, I may have mentioned that he's going to be moving him. He doesn't like him in the, uh, maybe Eno too. They don't like him at the one, two turn. They like him more at the two, three turn. I disagree with that. I think he's just as good as he ever was. Um, is 2020 was a little weird for everybody. I think he's, he's good. I think right after, right after the one, two turn in leagues, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good shortstop. He's going to give you power and speed. I like him where he's going. I mean, simple as that. I think his ADP is fair. And I think that's where you should take him. Lindor's a superstar for me and I'm really happy for the Mets and I think he's going to fit in perfectly I think he not only boosts the lineup he boosts morale I think he boosts every single pitcher on on the staff so I I know some of those are more like real baseball kind of things but I think he's I think he's great I'm not about to ding him at all Uh, I think the average is lower than we're going to see by about 20 points from 2020 yeah, I think Lindor is excellent. Um, you know, in Roto, we do have to consider steals, which are, are still on the table here. But I think apples to apples, I think I'm still with Turner and Story. But right after that, I think, you know, if if you're a shortstop guy, you like to build infield out, Lindor is there in a turn in a 15-team league. No, I like him. I mean, I love Bichette, but I don't know what Toronto's going to do running the no, ball. No, I'd rather have Lindor year, so I, I I'd like much Lindor. rather have Francisco Lindor. To, to me, that's almost... To me, it's almost not even close. Now that I mention it, I'm I'm going to get the spotlight out and trying to look into both next to each other. I'll make sure I focus on that when I get to my shortstops. But for me, right now, it's I'm not even. To me, that's not even close. If you're if you're taking Bichette over Lindor, I think you're making a few mistakes. They got uh, James McCann in the lineup, batting uh, batting eighth. I think he's a tremendous value. If you believe in the uh, changes he's made in the last couple of years, if you look at his entire track record, it's not flashy. But if you believe in the changes he's made, he's starting to barrel the ball up. He's starting to square the ball up. He's going right now as the catcher 11 in NFBC leagues right after Sean Murphy and Austin Nola before Gary Sanchez, Mitch Garver, Buster Posey, Jorge Alfaro. So, I mean, you'll notice from the names that I said behind him, they're all question marks. Nothing wrong with taking a shot on Gary Sanchez. Um, because you know he's going to be in there every day too. He can give you 40 home runs out of the blue. But as far as like everyday guys, it'll probably just get you some nice stats, especially in a two catcher league. I like James McCann. Uh, I don't like him any. I don't like to jump him any further. I mean, in front of him is Austin Nola, Murphy, Vasquez, Darno. Granted, I mean, he doesn't belong any higher. But I I think I could see making a point to grab him because I think he could be the last in line of people I truly am comfortable with depending on how you feel about like a Carson Kelly comeback. But again, you don't know how it'll go with him and Varsho. Um, so, I mean, I think McCann will be in there most days and I think he won't be a, a, a negative for your team. And I think a catcher, unfortunately, that's a really high bar uh, that you have to meet to even get to that criteria. So uh, I like, I like McCann. I was nodding that entire time, Matt. You really did such a great job of going over the back of that C1 landscape uh, I'm a nefarious catcher punter. You know, I punt it and I punt it hard. And this draft season, I've punted it too far. And I've I've gotten stung a few times. I'm just being honest, you know, having to make that decision, hoping that that shelf would hold. 
And it turns out I'm in complete agreement with you. McCann is the shelf. And that's why I generally want catcher 13 to 15. You know, I want the last of the remaining C1s and I'm hoping to find the guy that I think could finish at C9. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to really shoot the moon. And then I look for one guy much later on that I think could finish at C14. And it's really tough. I don't even know because I just don't think the at-bats are there, right? So I think McCann is the last of that. Dude, you mentioned Carson Kelly. I'm having trouble getting behind that. I was really into Alejandro Kirk. And now there's a threat there, which is tied to threats for Jansen. You know, it's funny. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah, the uh, most people would think, oh, Kirk's down, therefore Jansen's safer. <laughs> no. no, I mean, no. if he sucks, Kirk could still come take his job. It's just a more annoying uh, problem now that they're not both on the team. Kirk's not there, but the threat of him coming up is still there for Jansen. Yeah. Then Molina, Yadier Molina is in a spot where you'd love to have him because if he was signed, he'd be going a little higher. If Molina was signed, he'd probably be going right after McCann. Didn't he sign? And- Am I making that up? I thought yeah. after Wainwright came, he signed. No, I thought he was going to sign. Oh, just the rumors that he was signing? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, it's just expected. The, the latest news is Wainwright would be the kind of linchpin to get it going, gotcha. but it's not done yet. And again, Molina is a guy that you'd like to go for, but man, I, I, if I punt catching, I don't have to tell you, I can't take a stab at a potential zero. So I've been backing up to like Nizer even. Yeah. But yeah. The catching, catching landscapes. Are, yeah. No, there's no. Well, I like McCann. I like, I still like Alfaro. I think he'll, they failed to get, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to trade for Contreras. They failed to get any kind of other threat. And Alfaro can steal bases. So in a two-catcher league, I, I love him as my two. Um, if I have to have him over one, as a one, that's that's fine. Whatever. It's still catcher. If I am punting, though, um, all the guys we just talked about, I'm, I'm skipping by them. I'm going to Wilson Ramos. I'm going to uh, your boy. Uh, <laughs> you're chasing Castro. Good man. I, I think well, yeah, they'll, I actually, they'll get plenty I like of Nevias Also, I think Nevias and Ramos are good punts. I've been drafting the Orioles catchers in tandem. Okay, enough catching, enough catching. Enough catching, all right. The, the DH is going to screw the Mets if there's no DH. Uh, most really people- that, oh, Gosh, now we have to go back to the Mets. I feel like looking at the roster research page, the bench looks kind of slim. Who do you want to force? Well, no, no, they're going to fill in the bench. Uh, the Mets have plenty of money left. Uh, the bench will be filled uh, in with names that aren't trash, but- Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Dominic Smith's not going to play every day in left field because he's atrocious. Jackie Bradley Jr. is probably coming to town um, you know, or someone to play center, something's happening. Something is happening, you know, um, that's going to not get Dominic every day at bats. That's going to lose some at bats for Dom. It's going to lose some bats for Alonzo. JD Davis isn't safe because even though McNeil's supposed to be in at second, they hate Davis's defense at third McNeil could move to third and then allowing Guillaume to come in there at second base and keep the defense strong up the middle. So no DH hurts Dom hurts Davis. I think hurts Alonzo a little bit. Not enough to maybe sting at all, but yeah, the DH, the Mets desperately need it. Um, uh, before we move on, Carlos Carrasco. Hey, no DH would be huge <laughs> for Carlos Carrasco, who's never lived in that environment. He goes to a better pitcher's park here. Um, he still has some solid defense behind him with all is said and done, not like Mets of years past. So uh, no DH. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, all of a sudden, I, I think I do. Uh, I, I would bump him up a little bit. Yeah, where and he, you know, he brought Lindor with him. So obviously, you know, it's not to knock your Mets, but one of the hangups on them, particularly with pitchers that have a lot of ground balls, is some of those ground balls get through when maybe we wish they wouldn't. 
and to kind of sturdy up the center of the defense. And if they took that next step, I love the JBJ move for the Mets. It doesn't always have to be, you know, offense, empty glove, offense, empty glove. I think, man, I think a Lindor JBJ defense up the middle is really enough to take the Mets to the, to the next level. There's they're, they're going to be so good. And they're, they're not, whatever they're doing, they're not done. I mean, I could see them going crazy and going like getting Bryant and Hendricks from the Cubs. Trevor Bauer's always a possibility. Wow, a big splash. I thought you were mentioning like maybe like with the DH comes, uh, you know, like Souza got added somewhere, right? Like, oh, no, like more, no, no, more likely that's what you're looking for. How about Jose Martinez? I really didn't even know he was with the Mets. Do you think that 300 average we hope for for a while? I mean, listen, he did put up, he put up a plus 300 average across nearly like a thousand professional plate appearances. Yeah. I think the new DH truly screws his chances of making the team uh, because he's, he's a man without a position for a reason. Yeah, there's, he, there's a time that I thought every day at bats for him mm-hmm. was a pathway to like a top 75 bat. I really did. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, nothing is new. I can't find a single thing that's new. Uh, they, they brought back JT. They brought back Didi. Uh, everything is they, they, Matt Moore. I mean, he's the big signing. Oh, <laughs> I saw, man, I don't, I, I'd be surprised if that stops there. I think the Phillies need one more guy. They we, sure do. <laughs> you know, even Velasquez, who I found I have quite a bit of, we were talking about trying to find what could be impactful innings very late in ultra deep drafts. Double V is falling super late, but I think they need another starter there. Uh, the big news here for the Phillies is the bullpen. Uh, Hector Naris is still there. They bring in Jose Alvarado. They bring in Archie Bradley. Who I would got to think it's Alvarado's not in the consideration for saves. Although I think if there's a couple of strong lefties up, he'll probably get some. But I mean, right now you're flipping a coin between Naris and Bradley. And I got to think I would be leaning Bradley. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling there. I'm not really sure. Uh, Yeah, it's a tough one for me. I don't know. I I guess I give it to you. It's possible. You know, I, I guess I do kind of subscribe to the role and more like, who's a guy, maybe we'll see, maybe it'll be a hot hand thing. I, I think for me, it's, it's really just an overall boost for pitching context for the starters there. That Philly's bullpen was like historically terrible last year. So it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit tougher on the rest of the division as well. You know, that there's an arms race going on in the NL East that those games are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, the Pirates. <laughs> Yikes. I don't want to talk about them. Um, they, by subtraction. Yeah, they they continue to break people down, and they're replacing them with guys you don't want. Uh, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, uh, not that this was new because he already had at-bats, but Anthony Alford is an interesting guy I like who looks like he's a shoe-in to play every day. Cheap speed, um, playing every day. You know, it's, it's hard to find in deep leagues, and Anthony Alford could be a guy for you right now slated to bat six, but – yeah, they keep uh, they keep losing players and replacing them with nothing you want. Uh, so as far as transactions go, I don't think there's much to talk about here. No, I'm I'm just hoping, I'm hoping because I always hope for a boost in competitive balance for the league, for fantasy players, for the fans. That once everything kind of settles as far as the rules, that they'll bring in you know some of these free agents that are out there that would be upgrades across the board at least mm-hmm. on cheap one-year deals uh the san diego padres have obviously been incredibly busy uh they jake cronenworth was a popular i don't want to say sleeper pick you know because people saw how he performed it was a i don't know a popular industry pick with his position eligibility and his stack cast numbers 
Uh, but then they go sign Heisung Kim, and everyone's like, oh, Jake Cronenworth's screwed. And then they signed Jerks and Profar, and that pissed me off so much. Uh, they have so much depth on that team, but God, without a DH, they are so screwed. And so are all three of those players. I would assume Kim ends up getting the majority of playing time. Profar plays a ton of positions, so I think that he will no work his way into the lineup. I think without a DH, Cronenworth, who they who roster resource of the three, has him starting. I think he is screwed of the bunch. If I had to rank them with no DH, I'd say Kim, Profar, Cronenworth. I think Cronenworth would be very screwed. I don't get it. It it I, I understand depth, you know, being the thing that helps you get to the end of the race here. But there is also something to be said for continuity, I think. And I, I don't know, the Profar move seemed gluttonous almost. And it definitely seems like I put the death knell in any Jorge Mateo we thought we going to see, right? That's a forgotten asset now. That's mm-hmm. He's off the tease. Gluttonous. The, it should just be the San Diego glutton. The, it, the rotation and the lineup, it's ridiculous. Well, hey, listen, you're going up to chase Magic Johnson and those trolley Dodgers. I kind of get it. That that part I was digging because you can't have enough starting pitcher when you're facing the Dodgers. But I, I this this collection of super util guys is a little weird, right? You wouldn't normally have three guys on roster resource with the infield outfield slash that all could start for, I don't want to exaggerate, uh, 18s? One, maybe more. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. A third, a third of teams. I just I, I hate I hate overshooting going to half before somebody says, no, it won't be half. But I think I mean Hassan Kim probably starts on a on a good amount of teams. Well, here, if they didn't sign Kim and they brought Profar back and there was a DH, I think Profar starts every day. If there's if there's no Kim and, and there is a DH, I think Profar starts every day. So. Yeah, well, how about that, Matt? I think they certainly seem to be betting on the DH. Yes, absolutely. You know they're voting yes. They don't right, care. Right. <laughs> Everyone else is like, we. all the players are like, we want our rights. And Padre's like, no, just get the DH. And we'll give yeah, 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 anything. We'll give you anything. Uh, the rotation is stacked, stacked with risk. Um, you Darvish, Blake Snell, Lament, Musgrove, Paddock. That's a, And not to mention who they have coming back next year with Mike Clevenger. Uh, Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. Does this do anything for you? Darvish, I mean, they're in a tougher division, one. Um, then uh, or Darvish is in a tougher division. Blake Snell had the elbow pain, uh, and he comes over here. Now he's off the leash of going five innings, but will he even be allowed to go much beyond that? Because his track record proves he doesn't do too well beyond the second time through the order, and who knows if they'll put the extra innings on him, how he'll react. So let's start at the top before we get to Musgrove. Darvish and Snell, does the move to San Diego do anything for either of them for you? Yeah, it actually scares me a bit for Darvish. Because he was in my ideal, you know, divisional context. And you mentioned the division, Matt. That's something I have not heard a lot about. And it scares me. You know, Dodgers in either venue is a tough one. Now, granted, well, listen, Darvish is a, is a competitor. And he's very good and plays up to competition in the whole line. But you don't want to face the Dodgers. You don't want to go to cores. My question to you, Matt, is you draft a guy like Darvish in the second round. And he gets a two-start week, which you also mentioned are going to be rare, so you want to capitalize on him. But if he's even home against L.A. and then at Coors, can he even start this guy? (laughs) Uh, I think so. I think you have to. Because then my follow-up question would be, if the answer is no, can you draft a pitcher in the second round that you theoretically might bench? 
I, I think that says more than my answer is I, I think if you do draft him, you have to. But the fact that you have to think about it means you probably shouldn't draft him. So it kind of scares me. Yeah, contextually kind of scares me. Snell, what I I, I mean, I think Darvish is a beast, though. So I wouldn't yeah, consider saying right. him. I, I think if healthy, and that's the whole thing for me, I think he. I think if healthy, he's my SP4, truly. Um, I think he, on, honestly, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's my SP4. Um, especially if, God, if there's no DH for sure. I, I, I may even like him above Bieber, um, if healthy, which that's the whole thing. You cannot guarantee that Bieber, Bieber, Bieber's health and longevity and being able to get the innings is a big part of his allure besides his talent. So I, I like Darvish. Uh, so I, I don't have the, I don't, I wouldn't worry about sitting in versus anybody. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm, you know, when you get down to that, the very top tiers of pitching, you're supposed to have your microscope out. Maybe I'm overstressing it because last year I missed up top. And I know 2020 was wonky, but, you know, I had Clevenger over Bieber. That was a miss. I had Flaherty in front of Bieber. That was a miss. And, you know, it seemed that maybe it was because I didn't kind of pull all the threads I needed to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Snell, I, I'm not going to have any Snell. Other, other, people are, other people are making the leap that you mentioned, Matt, that he was going to now. You know, he's going to have those extra per game innings and let's see we have to go back check this out man you got to go back to july of 2019 for the last time he's completed six innings yeah you know what the thing is you you look at the angels and what they're doing with their crazy rotation of 15 people. And that's kind of what the Padres should do. I'm surprised they stopped. I mean, everyone's like, Oh, are they requiring all the pitchers? They probably shouldn't stop where they did. They should have filled in more because especially with Lamette out there, Darvish Snell. I mean, you got some injury worries. You need to have like a six, seven, eight. You need to have like a six man rotation of mine, a seven rotation of mine. And you got to have a lot of extra arms and they don't really have that depth. And that worries me. What about Gore? I, yeah. I don't know what to make it gore because everyone came up last year. Everyone people in a ball came up, but not Gore. they needed him last year and they didn't even think about bringing him up. There wasn't even a whisper what's wrong. And then they sign all these guys and then Clevenger's coming back next year. What the, what are you doing with this guy? Like, I don't, I mean, I have nothing to base this on of there has to be something wrong because why are they burying him? I don't understand. Maybe they were afraid he wouldn't get the extended look he needed. It's, it's bizarre, but yeah, you're absolutely right. He's, you know, I've, I've, I I love Gore and he should be a guy that they should throw in here, but maybe they're banking on that. You know, maybe they, that's part of their plan. We got all these other guys and you know, if we have to, we got Gore, uh, but them not bringing him up was bizarre to me. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, it wasn't, it wasn't so much me, but there was a lot of wasted draft capital on him. He might have been the largest waste of draft capital, you know, for a non-injury. Uh, Joe Adele. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was an yeah. easy – what happened to him was easy prediction. You know what? I, it was for me because I listened to you, man. <laughs> uh, Joe Musgrove, I love this. He's now going inside the top 100, and I am willing to take him there, but I hate it. I mean, you were getting him at like 150, 160, 170. I don't know what it was where he began. But now he's going in the top 100, and that makes me sad. Mainly because I think a six-man rotation could be coming our way here. That, not that they should. If everyone's healthy, that would be to their detriment of not letting these guys get out there as much as possible. But I love Musgrove. I love that he's out of Pittsburgh. Um, I'm willing to take him where he's going, but I don't want to. Um, 
you mentioned before, would I rather have uh, Charlie Morton or Musgrove? And I'd rather have Musgrove. So that tells you all you need to know about where I'm willing to take him. But man, his draft price is soaring, and I think it's going to continue to climb. Now, now, can I keep pressing you up the list? What about Musgrove versus McCullers? Oh, Musgrove. Musgrove versus Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez. Okay, so there you go. Okay, but that's you. Know, yeah, it keeps you in in the range. It keeps you on brand a bit. What but about? Like, let's I, say, let's say I needed a pitcher, and there was a run, and then Pablo Lopez was last on my list, and the next on my list was Musgrove. Um, I, I I could see myself jumping in. That's why I'm saying some people are like, oh, he's jumping up too far. I'm like, yeah, and I think I'm still willing to pay it because if it gets to the point, and I just want to get my, and I um, I'm at a point with my starting pitching staff where I really want to make sure a guy I want. I don't want to like maybe take Frankie Montas, who I'm not really, I love, but I'm not really sold on. I know you so well. I was just about to ask that. So I think there, if I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm gonna draft. I'm gonna grab Musgrove. So, um, you know, when Julio Urias is sitting there, I mean, there's there's options. There's different guys. It would depend on what I need for my team. Um, but uh, Musgrove is is a guy I really do like. So it's a tough question. I'll have to see where I was sitting, but. He's his his price is going up, and I think I'm willing to pay it stuff. Well, I, I think the the pathway for him to, you know, truly take the next step is certainly there. You know, he was really good, and his expected stats were all way better than performed almost like before. But I had mentioned in reverse. You know, he had a 407 Wobicon last season. It was 346 expected. That's so excellent. I believe he was also in the top. Like, man, he he's got to be in the top. Um, five percentile in true first strike also, which is a pretty cool metric. I've been getting into that and away from that. He's actually tied for very first in the league with Clayton Kershaw down to the point. So, you know, he's getting up, he's getting ahead. Uh, the, the O swing is there. There's a lot of stuff to like about Musgrove. Uh, the San Francisco giants actually are interesting in terms of, they had a lot of lay value for fantasy teams. Cause you know, at bats matter. And, and then you have this double, Double-edged sword, this like just 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 double gut punch of Tommy Listella and no DH. If if Tommy Listella has signed there and that's done, he has signed there, and there's no DH. This has gone from a ton of fantasy value to a incredible avoid because you had guys like Donovan Solano who batted 330 like the last two seasons. So one season combined. It wasn't just 2020, by the way, folks. In 2019, he was he had like 320, 330 also. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Mauricio Dubon, you had uh Wilmer Flores, you had Evan Longoria, you had all these different guys that could have been interesting late round targets. And now you throw Tommy Listella in and no DH. Listella can move around. He's gonna be moving uh Solano will be moving around, Dubon will be moving around. Does Flores now get screwed again for a bats because he needed that DH and uh, he definitely didn't any, anyone else in that stacked infield roster resource has Longoria on the bench, which I don't think he will be um, Longoria will be a third, which is where they have Listella, which I think Listella will probably move to second where Solano is, um, you know, like me talking through this should tell the listener everything you need to know. This is confusing now yeah. and where there was a lot of guys that I loved for at bats, all of a sudden, those at bats are completely in question across the board. Even for Listella himself, this is a terrible landing spot in terms of where you were hoping he could go. Because if he went to like Oakland, he probably would have been playing every single day. Here, well, he I probably Listella plays every day. No, he, no, he probably still does. But I'm just saying, if there's a hot hand, if Solano's like you know, if Solano's the Solano we saw the last two years, he's in. If Longoria and Flores are hot, they're in. I think everyone loses a little bit of at bats here. They desperately need the DH is basically my bottom line. Even though it's not a juggernaut offense, 
this may be my top five in the league for fantasy purposes where we want to DH here because it frees up so many people to have such better fantasy value if they just had a DH. So who is there anybody? Well, I guess there's gotta be somebody. So who who would you bank on for everyday PT? In this lineup, top three maybe. Yastrzemski, Posey, Crawford, Belt. That's it. Wow. Yeah, I think for, for like right. every day, I would be. Yeah, I think they only sit because they absolutely have to because of injury or um, or fatigue. Other than that, I think everyone else is is game to be sat. Wow. I, I, it's very tough to argue there. It, it, if you wanted to stab at Solano where he's going, I think, like you said, he's kind of backed up. You know, he's kind of deserved that playing time. But, yeah, the it, the the rest of it seems kind of muddied. I like to think Dubon gets everyday playing time in different positions. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. You'd think he would, right? But yeah, now that but I now they have so many guys, you don't even – it's not even totally guaranteed. I, I love Dubon. He's one of my favorite – he was one of my favorite values. Still kid is – I think he'll get close enough, but you before you think you look at this and you're like Dubon and Listella, they'll move around, they'll play every day. But then you start looking at at Solano and Longoria and Flores and Austin Slater, and you're like, holy shit, everyone needs to play. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It really, I guess a lot of them are still going late enough that maybe you can get yourself on board. Yeah. Or again, if we're speaking to really late kind of drafters, maybe you could pair. You know, maybe you're like pairing guys. But it's it's going to be tough to look for the Giants, who I used to, you know, right? That was a source of very cheap uh, at-bats. Like we're talking about even guys in the top third of the lineup. And now with them in question, it becomes harder to leap. Even at something like a 400 price point, which sounds very cheap, there is there is other talent there that you might want to pivot towards. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, the main thing here is DH, please. Pray, please bring the DH. It would, it would solve so many problems. And not for the Giants themselves. They love this. Their fans should love this. This is nice depth for a team that needed, uh, you know, is that misses that doesn't have an offensive star. Uh, no offense to Buster Posey, that's not what he is anymore. But uh, I think that you know it's it's good to have depth. Uh, the rotation sucks. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, who is uh, probably one. I mean, I like him, but I mean, he's got to be um, among the worst aces in baseball as far as a number one goes. Then Johnny Cueto, Tony Disco, Logan Webb, and Alex Wood. I, I don't I even want to say anything. Descofani, his he his um his release point was all over the place. His velocity was down. You know he was injured like he always was, and I expect him to be injured again in in twenty twenty one. And Alex Wood, I refuse to even go back to the well. So do you have anything on the the Giants uh, rotation? No, that's a tough one. I would have. I think I like Gaussman at his November price when people were maybe just kind of stumbling on, you know, steady innings pitch with a little bit of you know with the good he had last year. Now he's up there. I mean, I can't believe we're saying this, but yeah, he's up there with aces, and that's like for me, I, I I don't think I can get there. Is there is there anything like being a bad ace or just like one of the lower end aces? You line up against an ace on opening day, and then after that, it's it's what happens. But they always happen to line up with each other as time goes, and yep. it gets reset. Um, do do guys like Gaussman or Kyle Hendricks uh, or the like? I mean, again, it's not a guarantee you line up against aces. Often you don't, but you're at the top. Does, does that bother you at all where those guys that were going against like threes or now like more routinely lining up against other teams ones Hendricks, maybe not as much because yeah, that was already me. happening to him, but Gaussman. That's where you got me because I was going to say Gaussman. That's a huge 
you know, turn off for me. And like Hendricks, I have him as the cream of the crop. So like that doesn't really bother me. I think yeah. I'll take, especially, you know, my mind always kind of immediately goes towards betting. So give me Kyle Hendricks as an underdog for the first five innings, almost anywhere, anytime. Okay. Um, St. Louis Cardinals, <laughs> they acquired a third baseman, everybody. His name is Nolan. And this happened. Yeah, this happened. It's real. It's uh, it's a done deal. And that's, you know, all you need to know about the about the Cardinals. Uh Derek Cardi, who uh, does the the bat and the bat X, uh before the uh before the pick, they had him as the uh 18th. He had uh, had him as the 18th overall pick in drafts and now he has him as the 41st. The bat X actually has him at the 61st. So I mean, with uh, with Colorado, they had him a, a 293 batting average, 40 home runs, now down to 271 and 36 home runs. We talked about this before the show. That makes it so you can't take him in front of Arenado. I mean, you can't take him in front of uh, Anthony Rendon. Um, but I think if it's him versus Devers, you have a conversation to be had there. And I think that it's silly to take Vlad above him because if Vlad gave you what these low end projections for St. Louis is, you'd be ecstatic. So Al Renato, if you're, you know, I don't know how far anyone wants to bump him down. Don't be ridiculous with it. I think he should be behind Rendon. What do you about think about him and Devers though? Well, right now for me, it's Devers because I need to see Arenado swing. Um, I try not to put too much into spring training, except when it's health and looking for things like power and torque. Right, uh, Arenado had the tough shoulder, and his power stats were awful. This would probably be the base for him getting dinged. I don't know if anyone has pulled out the lens on a guy like Arenado in power because you normally just kind of take it for granted. But man, bottom twentieth, bottom twenty-fifth percentile in a lot of stuff that you don't want to see. He had a two seventy-five expected WOBA. That's really, really bad. Really, really bad. The walks weren't there. He chased me too much over 35%. Line drive rate below 16%. Just totally out of character. So we're talking about a guy who's a perennial kind of MVP, one of the best hitters in the game. Then I get a small sample where his hurt and power metrics fall off. So for me, I have no problem throwing them away, providing I get the evidence that the health kind of resumed. So you have to ask me for a fair evaluation. Let, let him hit one home run in spring training, and then we can talk about it. But while I'm worried he's hurt, I can't take on the price tag. I, for some reason, I'm not worried about him being injured. I don't know what it is. I, I'm, I, I think I'm going to end up with some shares here because I always said uh, from the beginning that of Arenado, Devers, and Rendon, I'll take whoever's the cheapest. And that was when he was in Colorado. I think I still feel that way. Um, if he's going to end up going behind those guys and he falls, I'll take him. I will. Um, I, I think that you raise a good point and that that's some risk you have to take. But I, I, I think Arenado would absolutely love to stick it to the Rockies year one. Be like, hey, look, you you you, you messed up and, and this is what you get. So I agree with you. Uh, but I, I do think that um, I do think I'll be having some shares just because, I mean, he's such a good player when he's healthy. And I, I think he will be. I. Uh, I would like to see more reports though, like you said, in spring training, but by then, uh, if he, if he ropes one home run on, on his first day, I would love to see where his ADP goes overnight. Well, remember he was, it was, he had seven bombs in August. We're feeling fine hitting 269. only one home run after that in 59 plate appearances. 
And again, like I said, it wasn't just that home runs were missing. And I'm, that's the one thing I look at all of the underlying stuff that he's always been known for kind of went out the window. A um, shocker, everybody. We're running like really behind schedule. So we're going to do the National League only in this episode and we'll do American League in another one. We're going to end it with the Washington Nationals. They made a lot of moves. Uh, Josh Bell in, Kyle Schwarber in. Um, All right. We'll have to talk about Rockies pitching another day, I guess. Why? What? They have anyone new? I'm fine. No, I'm just fine. I'm finding I like it. Yeah. Well, we're only talking about new. This is why we're doing two hours on 15 teams. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Nationals, we're gonna get, that's, that's another time. Uh, Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber in no DH sucks here. Cause that's yes. where Kyle Schwarber was going to go, um, with his crappy glove. And this really screws Victor Robles and Andrew Stevenson more. So Andrew Stevenson Robles will be given every opportunity to keep and earn and keep his job. Stevenson, I was hoping to be in there every day. He looked really sharp at the end of the year, obviously now with Schwarber in there, probably most days. Uh, Stevenson, you know, will, will be on the bench. Uh, Schwarber is a risk to be pinch hit out of the game or I'm sorry, defensive replaced, I should say. Um, so because of the, uh, because of the additions in the outfield, we'll talk about Josh Bell, uh, Josh Bell in a second. How does the addition of Kyle Schwarber with no DH change your mind about any of these guys, Schwarber, Robles, Stevenson? Well, I think you nailed it. I, I think they needed the age to keep Schwaber out there and probably get the most out of him. I think with the money they gave him, he's going to play every day until he embarrasses himself. She, she will. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, us possibly, and more particularly again, you know, not to overkill the betting thing, but I have a microscope out on a lot of games, man, watching outfielders play during the day in Wrigley Man, it makes you pull your hair out sometimes. And if you're not already really good at it, guys get spun around. They fall down sometimes and, you know, take totally bad breaks, you know, being new there. Um, uh, even having been there, I mean, so like when it's it's just going to be, <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I was worried about him there and I worry about his defense here. I don't know, man. He really needs the DH. He really needs the DH. Um, Josh Bell's here. That they got him for they got him for nothing as well. I love Josh Bell here. Uh, the Bat X really loves him because it's based on Statcast data. I think the 2020 was an anomaly for the Pirates, just like the Diamondbacks. Everyone was so bad, and I know that there's some people that are worried about Josh Bell versus the um, you know breaking pitches. But right now, think about where he was playing. There was no reason to even throw him a fastball. Now he's hitting in between Swan Soto. And Kyle Schwarber, a little bit of an upgrade from Pittsburgh. I think that the people that are upgrading him because he's in this lineup aren't thinking it through enough. The plate protection he has here is phenomenal. He's going to see more fastballs than he ever has. Um, And while some people are starting to catch on and his ADP is rising, it still has not risen enough. He's not, has he even gotten to the Reese Hoskins area? If he has, he's like right around there. I love Josh Bell and he's one of my favorite targets because um, he's a risk because of the, the downslide we saw a little bit in 2019, but I love the skills. I think he's a really good pure hitter. And I think that the line of protection here is, is really going understated on how much that is going to help a guy that struggled with breaking balls when he has to see more fastballs. All right. Let me get my feedback on the me. Cause the Schwarber thing, I got spun around at different locations, right? So bell, man, this is, 
I, I, I almost, this is one of the rare times I'm going to agree with you. No, I often agree with you, but I find I'm going to agree with, you know, really what's more of a narrative based argument, Matt. And you know me, I kind of like all the numbers and Josh Bell's were not good, but you really, really have to consider all the surrounding stuff. Again, I'm looking at these games in a microscope. I watched a ton of pirates last year. There's no need to pitch this guy. And he looked like he was, <coughs> excuse me, he looked like he was trying to force it, you know, and yeah. then you can't, you can't do that. They could have intentionally walked him every at bat and it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. Ever, ever. They were so, so bad. You know, again, betting on their pitchers became impossible because if they fell, if they were down two to zero, it felt like just an eternity. And then you knew for a fact he wasn't going to see anything in the zone. So Josh Bell, maybe more than anyone, I want to toss out. However, you know me, I'm going to volley back with something. Josh Bell's draft cost did like a little doji coin GameStop thing for me because Washington, it started to gap up overnight. Then they brought in Zimmerman. And I was like, wow. Hold on, hold on. One year for $1 million. He could retire for all we know. This is the kind of deal you give someone when you're like, they're retiring as a national. So I don't know how much stock I can give to anyone being signed for one year and 1 million. Okay. Okay. You give me, you give me a little bit. You gave me a little bit there. Just, it worried me that they went and brought in, you know, a, a guy they like, I guess he didn't play last year. So, yeah, I guess it's not like a full-on threat. It just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, woohoo, you know, the, the Nats have kind of made their bones the last couple of years, Maddie, mixing in these veterans, right? They've had a ton of these guys that are just kind of rotating in and out. Okay, maybe, okay, I guess you're right. So you don't feel he's threatened at all? I Not really. Not by Zimmerman. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I mean, if Josh Bell's playing bad enough where he can be spelled by Zimmerman, you're fucked anyway. And Zimmerman, <laughs> Zimmerman taking over for Bell isn't going to be your problem. It's going to be Bell sucking so much ass that Zimmerman's getting to bats. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Is it is it possible? It was a um, response to the heavy splits on Bell, right? Um, at least. As of late, he's he struggled against lefties. I don't know. I mean, it's so weird. $1 million. I mean, for all I know, he went in with puppy dog eyes and they gave it to him out of spite. What a weird contract for a guy like him for one year, one million. That's when the that's usually when the player spits it back and like is mad at the organization for years because of the insulting offer. They usually don't sign it. But it could be let's let me, let's take a quick look. I mean, that's just spending, spending way too much mind on, on mind. I mean. That's the bet. Well, I, if I if I could, I think I just stumbled on it as simple as simplistic. As I, I think they could have signed fifty other people. I would have been more worried about the fact that it's Zimmerman and they, it's it's his team. I don't know. I mean, for the fact that there's no DH, maybe they release him. Well, let's see. I'm looking at. Yeah, it's got to be that. So okay, here, check this out. Ryan Zimmerman versus lefties in 2018. He bat 317, 377. I'm sorry, 377. 2019 against lefties, he bat 367. And on a, as a, in a career of 1,700 plate appearances, which is you know pretty decent, he's bat 311. Mm -hmm. And since I gave you the last two years, it's actually been skewed as of late he's gotten better. So maybe that's the answer. It's just to make sure Bell gets through the whole season. And when there's a, t a lefty and especially a tough one, maybe that's when you'll see Zimmerman once a week.
Yeah, I agree. Um, putting it, subbing him in. For, I, I think that's exactly the reason to sign him. Exactly what you just said. I didn't realize how stark his splits were until just now. So I guess I answered the question. Yeah. Um, so that is, I believe, the final team. Nothing really going in the rotation unless you'd like to talk a little bit about Sean Lester. Uh, other than that, uh, that pretty much wraps up when we get to some viewer questions. Do you think he comes he comes back to form? I mean, that's my that's my quick question for you, you on Lester. What kind of form are we talking about? Uh, fair enough. I was thinking more serviceable. So he was terrible in 2020. What about like a 2017, like a mid fours, like a low mid fours? Yeah, I don't think we're getting back to the low three ERA. But do you think he can give you a four ERA with a one two five whip? No, I, I think you're looking at a. I think his, <laughs> I think his best case scenario is a four two five with like a one three. All right, now this doesn't also this doesn't count as additions, but they, it is questions, and that we've kind of been doing. What what do you think about the last spot? Um, the last couple of years they've they've had a very hard. Time. Is this the Austin Voth portion of the program? No, as I shake my head, yes. Um, <laughs> but, but it is they they've had problems with that five spot. Do you think they're yet to fill it? It's been a Fetty Ross Voth trio. Nothing has really worked. I think that they should fill it. <laughs> I mean, there's no suggestion that they will, uh, but uh, they, they yeah, between Ross, Voth, and Feedy, they have plenty of internal options. But again, with the, the health of Strasburg and Corbin and Scherzer, um, they really have to should sign someone else. God, their season could go down the tubes in a hurry. Yeah, they got to be careful. Uh, so All right, but you, that's good. Austin Voth for Cy Young. You heard it here from Matt Williams. Excellent. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to end the show with a little bit of a, a few viewer questions as I don't know, oh, yeah. we're probably well beyond the two hour mark. Um, money aside, what's the best, this is uh, from Davey Lou uh, over at, uh, actually I wrote a fanatic money, uh, money aside, what's the best free agent signing and best trade this off season from a fantasy perspective? Um, hmm. best trade. I mean, best trade from a fantasy perspective, I will say I'm probably missing someone, but just cause we talked about the national league I'm, that's where I'm going to keep it. For today's show, I, I do love Carlos Carrasco if there's no DH because I think that's something that will be really undervalued in terms of what he will be able to do. I don't know if they'll take him time to adjust his game plan to be able to actually have a free out in the um, in the lineup. But Carlos Carrasco, I think, on a team with no DH is fantastic as far as trades go. Yeah, agreed. I mean, my my the biggest impact for me was Lindor. Like I said before, he's a rising tide that raises all ships. Mm-hmm. You know, he's more than just stats. He's a He's a great. He's a great guy. He's going to make everyone better with the bat and the glove. So I, for, for me, it's just Lindor. It sounds like this. This for me is an overwhelming cross categorical from tangible to intangible upgrade. I said, uh, what from a free agent standpoint? I, I I love Jock Peterson. I know he's a really late player, yes. but if they're going to give him everyday at bats in Chicago, I absolutely love that. I don't think anyone else saw a potentially bigger bump in value than he could if they're actually serious about that. Yeah, I always thought he was too good to be that strictly platooned. And in fact, man, I'd have to go back and kind of game log search this. I swear I remember there was a day he he hit two home runs and they benched him the next day for that. And it's that's just that to me, whatever, man. You know, baseball's got its ebbs and flows. Guys are seeing the ball well, feeling good, feeling healthy. And like to discard hot hands with that kind of talent, like whatever. I'm glad that he's freed. All right, the uh, what p- spring training position battle are you looking forward to most? Wow. Oh. 
I mean, to me here, there's there's only one answer, and that's uh, Nicky Lopez versus Hanser Alberto. <laughs> Aside the obvious ones, Matt, no one <laughs> no one came here for that. Everyone's timelines on Twitter are inundated with Nicky Lopez tweets. Um, <laughs> for me, it's it's the most confusing as always. You know, it's it's the Rockies. I, uh, you move when you move a giant piece like Arenado, you create a, a power vacuum that has to be filled. And I can't help but wonder if they think they already have it. Uh, man, I don't know. You know, now it's McMahon. I, I'm actually, I'm interested in Texas. Um, and oh, yeah. for, for now it seems, everyone seems to be just going like it's a foregone conclusion. Um, they have uh, a rough net door, uh, Isaiah kiner Falefa. They have Nick Solak. And they have uh, Elvis Andrus, who's been relegated to the bench, who as early as 2019 was still fantastic. Yeah. So um, I would like to see how things shake out there. I think a trade could be coming. That's, you know, I already mentioned I'd, I'd love to see him move to the Reds or something. But other than that, uh, there's no reason that someone couldn't take Odor's job away. But whoever ends up claiming everyday bats in that lineup, they're going to have a lot of value. Um, I'd like to see what happens there. Yeah, I think low also – if we're just talking about like a again something kind of quantified, and we're talking about the largest, you know, increases in fantasy value, I think Lowe has got to be on the list, right? There's a guy who not only really wasn't getting a stab, this he was blocked, and then you had the raise if he when they did call him up, he didn't play. To now, I think it's a full go, right? You're going to get all the neat low that you could possibly ask for. And he's going so incredibly late, right? Just throw him on top of that late first base party that's going on. Uh, he's going back, and I've seen him go in the three hundreds. <laughs> I actually, I'm in a, I'm in a draft champions right now, so those are pretty serious. You know, draft champions leagues are really people are really have the magnifying glass on him, and I have him off. He's actually off the off the starting roster. So, man, that's like an ideal spot. If you get a guy like Lowe with that kind of potential and you don't even have to start him, that feels like something that could really pay off. Um, they have uh, from Dap Scout on Twitter, uh, all, all the prospects being traded this offseason, which ones do you see making an impact this season? I hate drafting prospects. I hate drafting rookies. I hate it. Um, Andrew Vaughn seems like a slam dunk to be up at some point because you're like, you know, I'm not that he's going to play the outfield, but you look in left field, and you see the name Adam Engel for the White Sox. That can't stay that way. I'm shocked that they didn't like jump in on like an Eddie Rosario. Such an easy way to upgrade that lineup. Uh, but with um, with uh, Edwin Encarnacion out of town, they they do have the ability to put Aloy in the outfield and maybe slide in uh, Vaughn into that lineup. So I think Andrew Vaughn's a guy that I think has a very legitimate chance to maybe come up sooner than later and, and have a spark. But other than that, Jared Kalenic I think has a, a real shot of starting opening day for the Mariners, if not soon after. Yeah, that's that seems to be the word. And I think you really circled all the brightest guys. For myself, I'm not I'm not really the prospect guy. And that doesn't mean I ignore it. I just normally defer towards, you know, people that are more specialized in the trade, which is fine and something I suggest. But also I'm with you, Matt, uh, maybe more in particular with, man, the way the handling, let's say, of minor league baseball and it, not being as reliable, right? I'm trying to be careful with my wording to be accurate. But I think that's fair, right? It's been so wonky. It's less accurate because it's less consistent. So something that worried me already now worries me more. Somebody may mentioned before, there have been people who have been drafting Mackenzie Gore 
This is now the third season. You know, people are drafting him, expecting a huge impact. And so far, you've been hanging goose eggs. So they scare me a bit much, maybe even more so this year, outside of guys like Kelnick, who I, I imagine are going to be very good, hit the ground running. I think a lot of rookies and prospects, I think I want to see them, and I want to be careful not to overpay. Eva, which fan base should hate their team more, the Rockies for the Arenado trade or the A's for not re-signing Bay Area native Marcus Simeon? Quote, I'm not bitter. I guess we have an A's fan here. Did you happen to see the uh, the uh, the uh, offer that Marcus Simeon was given by the A's? No, but it was a, it was laughable, no? Um, they offered him. I think he ended up signing for what? Um, eight, 15 he got million? a lot of money. He got 18, per, 18 for one. 18 for one. They yeah. offered him, I think, 11 for one or 12 for one or something, but they wanted to defer 10 million of it over 10 years. Well, I mean, at that point, it probably depends what kind of cheapskate you are. Somebody like me, I'd be like, okay, sure. You know, put your feet up and collect a million. I know, but for a guy that ended up getting 18 million, why would you offer that? Yeah, well, that that's true too. I mean, I, they were trying to shortchange or maybe take advantage of the hometown. That's not a, a shortchange. That's a punch in the face, like right in the face. Yeah, I guess. I guess. It, yeah, I guess the numbers didn't really soak in until just now. It took me a few seconds. I'm a little slow today, I guess, as we're getting into this. That normally, right? If I were trying to uh, woo you with deferred, normally you'd go over, right? So let's say I knew you were going to get 18. Maybe I got to give you 19 and a half and defer it. Not, hey, Matt, not only can I only give you half, but I can make it take 10 times as long. Ooh. Yeah. You know what? Deferring, deferring bullshit like that makes sense. Where like, if you're a team like the Yankees and Nolan Arenado wanted a certain amount of money, but you didn't want to go over the luxury tax and you were at like 100 and he wanted 120. And you could tell like with his current certain contract that he's just looking for the most money possible. It's not about the years. All right. We'll give you the 100. We can give you over this many years. How about, we add 20, but we defer that over 10 years or whatever. It, but it's the extra on top of 100 million. You're right. just giving him that extra for the rest of his life. That's when I'm okay with the Bobby Bonilla treatment. But when it's at 12 million and you're and you're going to like defer 10 of it, just come on. Yeah, that's that's embarrassing. I mean, they must not have wanted him. They must not have wanted him back. Yeah. You know, which I guess is Chad Pinder and Tony Kemp season. Ew. Know? <laughs> all right uh so john that does it we're gonna cut it off here at the national league uh because wow i didn't think it would take this long but you know when me and you were talking it, it's to be expected we we broke down a lot of interesting names and hopefully this helped everyone out uh tell everyone about your fantastic podcast over at ftn where they can find your work what you have planned so far uh for the upcoming spring training which is around the corner Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm in full. It's a full go right now. It's a full multi-spectral attack. It's audio. I'm writing like every single day. So I have best ball articles. Everything is on FTN Fantasy for Fade the Noise. And right now everything is free. So my parents used to say, if it's free, it's for me. You know, check it out. Positional breakdowns are coming. I'm kind of doing the more general stuff up front than taking it to audio to really get down in the dirt with some of the, you know, as you get deeper, you need maybe more individual analysis. And it's been great. You know, Cork Stats, I just had Matt Madik on. We did a pitching strategy thing that's gotten a ton of great feedback. It was a lot of fun. We covered the whole landscape. And then I had uh, your guy, Paul, like I said, on. We did earn run indicators, doing a lot of actionable stuff. It was kind of uh, like, a, like a class. It was really, really great. So, you know, tune on in. And right now it's free. So get on in it. 
All right. And everyone can follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Follow Roto Fanatic at Roto underscore Fanatic and the show at Turn 2 Podcast at Turn 2 Pod on Twitter. So thank you for listening to the, I guess, the National League uh, breakdown of the offseason. We'll be back uh, probably pretty soon with the American League breakdown. So that'll be around the corner. So thank you for listening to the Turn 2 Podcast. Hopefully Trevor Bauer decides uh, where the hell he's going pretty soon so we can let that happen. And God, the DH. Please, please, Players Association, let this happen, Players Union. Who did they just sign, Ken Griffey Jr.? Ken Griffey Jr., talk some sense into him. Let's get the DH. Let's make it happen. And don't worry, I'm not signing with the owners, everyone who's currently yelling at me for signing with the owners. I'm against, I, I hate everybody. I just want baseball. <laughs> baseball. <It's gonna> <laughs> <laughs> All right, see everybody. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The x fipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third, because I want to win first. How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z. It's like a gift and a curse. I know the difference between a splitter and a curve. But if I can't put it in the points, man, then what's it worth? I need the truth. I need knowledge. Found this podcast with all of it. But what they call it? Turn two. Turn two. What they do? Win leaks. Catch out. Catch out.